0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back for another episode of The Lock In. It's been a couple of weeks. Dara, how are you getting on?
1: i uh, getting on fine. I mean, all the weeks feel exactly the same now, uh, but uh, we have a very special guest today, so I've made a really special effort. Um, anybody who's looked at the previous episodes know that. I make zero effort for this, even though it's a visual show, but I've actually like cleaned myself up, shaved, brushed my hair...
0: I've, I've a bit of bad news, Darren. I think you might assume that we have a special guest on. We 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 didn't book a special guest this week. Oh, no. Oh, but we do have Cat Arnsby in the house. Cat Arnsby, welcome. <laughs> Hi, great to be here, and have such a warm welcome from you both. <laughs> uh, our colleague, our our sort of sort of a boss, Cat Arnsby, these days. Yeah, uh, I, I don't
1: recognise any bosses, but uh, but actually, if if I was going to recognise one, actually, to something to something uh, pleasing about the idea of cat is bossing me around. So yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not taking any kind of professional responsibility for either <laughs> of you two. So no, definitely not not anything to do with me.
0: I notice you're uh, you're with us today from what looks like the uh, Big Brother house. <laughs> Are you? No, I,
1: I thought it was the North Pole with the with Santa and the elves.
0: Yes, I'm actually in the
2: office, um, so I'm back in, in the office, uh, the Unibet poker office, and I can't work the aircon, so um, I'm sporting my hoodie.
0: Does that? But it's a hot day today, does the aircon not mean you're too warm? It,
2: what, why am I on this show? I mean, who are these people? Aircon it, it's to keep you cool, what are you talking about? It's cranked down to like 20 degrees here, it's freezing. Got goose pimples. I'm
0: still, I'm still confused, but anyway, I do want to ask you an important question because you are the marketing manager strategist. I know you have a lot of other words in that title. I actually don't know your title. Um, I think Bingo's there poker. As well. <laughs> For you, but both, I just want to know. So a- answer me this: Daryl Kearney and David Lappen, great poker ambassadors or greatest poker ambassadors?
2: I mean, you don't leave me a, a lot of room there. I, I really really hate licking you at the balls of you too, but I mean, you are pretty good ambassadors you know I, I generally find poker players a bit of a nightmare to work with but um actually um you you both have quite a respectable work ethic so yes i'm, I'm very happy to have come to a company where you two are ambassadors
0: what about any i look
2: forward to the check in the post
0: who sorry any the, the other one
2: <laughs> why why are we always so horrible to ian when he is out of us for clearly the nicest of the four people what well
0: that's probably why
2: <laughs> we're all going to hell all of us at least yeah. i've got a hoodie
0: <laughs> first question here and uh i want to kind of kind of tackle this one delicately I actually wrote something down to make sure i uh, don't get us into any legal trouble cat particularly because oh, we're here um, and <laughs> there is a story buzzing around the poker ether at the moment a, a high profile one potentially going to break on the subject of real-time assistance rtas or dream machines as people more uh, maybe uh, casually know them. Whether this story goes public or not is yet to be seen, actually. Uh, So it's probably good not to engage with the specific case and maybe also not compromise that case just in case it requires not to be known. But I do want to kind of talk about this subject because I think it's going to become a bigger and bigger issue as we move Mm -hmm. forward in this industry, frankly, with servers and computers getting more and more powerful. Dara, maybe kick us off by explaining what a dream machine or RTA is.
1: Yeah, I mean, RTAs were kind of the inevitable end product once the solvers arrived. When the solvers came on the scene, obviously people could run any spot they wanted and get a game theory optimal response in every single situation. And the the game of poker is huge. So <clears throat> even if people were running their own saws, it tended to be after the event. You know, they were reviewing their hands and looking back and seeing what they should have done. But obviously you can sort of build up a bank or a library of solves uh, of very typical situations that arise over and over again so there's always been a kind of a, let's let's call it um ad hoc real time assistance in the sense that people might have a preflop chart telling them every uh, what their range should be from every seat at different stack depths, and they're referring to that while they're playing. Similarly, they, there are typical flops like ASI high flops, etc., and they might have access to PO solutions telling them what they should do at different stack depths. But the real-time assistant takes it to a different level, where it's literally run pretty much every spot, and it it doesn't require you to look up anything. It it runs alongside your um, your computer your poker client. So while you're playing. It detects what the stack sizes are. It detects what the cards are, your, your situation, all the rest. And then it refers to its own library and spits out the GTO response. So you can basically play perfect GTO just by looking at this window on your screen. Um, and uh, and then clicking the button. It's n- it's different from a bot because it still requires you to look at the result and and then click the button, but it's essentially the same. Uh, and I think some of the sites refer to them, refer to them as push-a-button bots um, because you are looking at the solution and then you just push the right button.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously people who might be using these real-time assistants, uh, they, they're getting a GTO output. So maybe in certain types of games, I would say particularly in the lower stakes games, it wouldn't serve them that well to actually go to the letter of what a a GTO bot was saying. There's probably better exploitative lines. But as soon as you start moving up through the stakes, and this is where it gets kind of spicy, if you start playing, say, like NL 40,000, you know, 200, 400 deep type games, you're going to end up in games versus very strong opponents where actually not giving an inch and sort of looking for that Nash equilibrium line is optimal and and actually is maybe one of the only ways to make money
1: yeah that's a good summary without getting into the whole gto versus exploit thing it's true that when you're playing against weaker opponents gto won't be the uh the most profitable line but it'll never be unprofitable and the thing about gto is it kind of scales up as you rise through the stakes as you said even if you're playing the best players in the world uh you still won't be unprofitable um so it's it's basically just a very good strategy. It's not necessarily the best strategy in every situation. Now it it's most effective in cash games. It has to be said because uh, there's no ICM implications. Uh, there's no other tournament considerations and the whole idea of the solves is it it is just solving for what the optimum response would be in a cash game now in a lot of tournament situations the optimal response will be very similar as well Uh, early on in a tournament there won't be too much difference between the gto solution for a cash game and the gto situation for tournament but as you go later into the tournament and icm becomes a factor then you do get divergence so actually somebody uses sticking rigidly to a real-time assistance for a tournament will 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 be giving up EV. Um, it'll be telling them to do things which are plus GPV, but are actually losing the money if if, if they don't understand ICM. So tournaments are less uh, susceptible, let's say, to to this problem. Then, if you wind that on and go on to PKO tournaments, and the PKO tournaments introduce a whole new level of complexity in terms of the bounty. Now, the the real-time assistance can absolutely can't. Uh, factor those in at all. So it'll still be spitting out what you would do in a cash game in the situation. But if the guy's shoved for a tiny stack and has a huge bounty, it'll be telling you to fold a a lot. Whereas, you know, it's probably a spot where you call any two cards. So just to summarize, I think this is a huge problem for online cash, um, but the sites are obviously trying to catch people and, and in many cases successfully catching people who do this. It's not difficult to catch people. It's also not difficult as a player to know when you're up against it. A couple of guys that I coach told me they felt they they, they ran into it recently online on uh, ACR when they got heads up in tournaments um, because suddenly the opponent was taking 15 to 20 seconds for every decision, even very routine decisions. And that's typically how long it takes the real-time assistance software to figure out what the cards are, what the situation is, and retrieve the optimal response.
0: Well, it's good to know in some of the more complex games and, and as you say, tournaments there, a player couldn't uh, using one of these assistants couldn't be on, say, cruise control or anything of that nature. But it still remains that it will be a problem that, crops up and from an industry point of view and this is where I want to bring you in here Kat what kind of measures are being taken say well one at Unibet poker for example because we obviously have a a security team an integrity team and generally in the industry everyone's aware of this problem and and I'm sure all sites are sort of facing it
2: yeah I mean I think you might have invited the wrong person for kind of real details on that because we are fully into nerd shit there I mean, that, that is some, some proper technical stuff. And, and, and part of security is that not every monkey on the floor knows everything. You know, because if I knew exactly the methods that were used, I can pass it on to you and it's not within my remit. So the exact methods um, that we use, I couldn't tell you. But what I do know is that occasionally barrings come through. Um, and from my position, I may not even find out exactly the reason that player was barred. You know, there there will be some integrity breach, and and the details of which are are known to the security team and the security team alone. That's what real security looks like. Um, so, I mean, uh, I can probably inquire here who might be able to give you a little bit more information and some more details. But it's I'm not being obscure, kind of hiding information. I literally don't know, and the good reason I don't know is security. So, um, that said i mean there are obvious methods you know so um things like tracking play number of tables you know that there are things that would flag up that perhaps no human can do i mean if someone is playing perfectly for 24 hours without a break 24 tabling never making a mistake you know i, I imagine even daro khani makes a few mistakes in those kind of uh, situations okay, so i, I- how dare you <laughs> <laughs> what, he's not
0: a robot? <laughs> a um, his public image right there.
2: Yeah, so I mean, in in some cases, I think that there are things that we all know about. I like to, I would like to think that the the top security teams, which which large companies like the owner of of Unibet are able to to fund and make sure it'll happen, um, that can happen. But we are talking about there assuming that the cheat, and I will call them a cheat because it is against terms and conditions. It's not a grey area, you know, like memorising charts in your downtime and bringing that knowledge to the table that to me is not cheating that's just being smart using um, active software to enable you to play better than your skill level is without question on any decent poker site a clear example of cheating but what we're assuming when we say oh the sites will catch it the sites are on it even if we have the best security in the industry um, if a person is using as um, the case i believe you're referring to it's been stated on two plus two that the actual accusation is he had two laptops. So he yeah. had two laptops and he was bouncing between now. If a person is running software on a separate laptop they, I mean, there's just nothing that really can be done. That is the same as having, you know, me playing the, um, an $11 tournament and having Dara in my ear, whispering what I should do. I mean, sites can't catch it if there's software active on the laptop i mean an easy but controversial solution is that as part of the agreement to use the software that the site is allowed to include some kind of spyware now that's what it would be tantamount to because if we can install spyware on your laptop that maybe is only active during the time that you are playing on the site we can actually make an estimation of these things we can look at the type of software that's running um for example some of the major huds they they have those apis open so that sites can detect them without spyware so there are a lot of methods if if the software is on the same laptop as the client being used if it's somewhere else we've got a problem you know and I, i've seen some suggestions like uh, um maximum time decisions of five seconds you know and and to me as a recreational player cool i'm all right with that it takes me about 2.5 seconds to click call all in everything you know um for guys if we're talking about guys who are playing for 40k sit down i'm pretty sure a five second time bank isn't going to work for them you could also look at things like average mouse movements or behaviors on screen because if a human is constantly got their mouse in their right hand yeah it makes sense but again you know anything that you can put in at that level cheats will get around you know they'll work out a way these solvers are going to get faster so even if you bang in a five second time decision now what you're going to do in three years when the solvers are solving it in two seconds we have the same problem so um yeah i mean it's a major problem and a concern for the industry across all sites
0: I love Dara how Cat always sort of sets it up by going, I don't really know about this subject, so you've got the wrong person here, and then gives an unbelievably detailed account of uh, yeah. exactly what it would be. You've done this before, Arnsby, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I want to do. I want to move on to the next story, um, which involves uh, Poker Bros, uh, a popular app form of the game. Uh, last week, the poker app Poker Bros was pulled from the app store in. What now appears to be a misunderstanding? A news, Aurora and Nick Jones of Poker Industry Pro did a deep dive into what happened, and in their article included some comment from our pal Clodagh Hansen, who is the head of marketing at Poker Bros. So I wanted to uh, get a bit of that out there. Um, there were lots of jokes on social media, I will admit, when uh, the, the the app was pulled. I made a few myself. Cloda was certainly on my back as soon as I did. Um, but it, it does appear to have been reinstated in every state bar. I think one, it might be Minnesota or something like that, in the US. Uh, Cloda pointed out that Poker Bros is a social poker app that allows players to create their own unique clubs their own home games with their friends she explained that the app is monetized by diamonds and in-app currency purchased through the app store these cannot be withdrawn and have no real money value they are used to purchase chips for club games vip cards and features like time banks emojis to throw at your table mates or rabbit hunting However, in the article, Anoush does sort of extrapolate, if you like, a little bit. He goes on to explain how the private club concept does create a platform where a clubhouse could run a club like a real money operator. So that would be a sort of a one degree of separation thing going on there, deciding internally that these play chips in the club have real money representation. Under this model, all deposits and withdrawals could be dealt with by the club owner settled offshore or off app, if you like, to services like Google, Apple Play, Bitcoin, that type of thing. Um, they would then in turn, you know, if they want to monetize it for themselves within that could be charging some sort of rake or, withdrawal or something of that nature. this is obviously sort of feeds into a storyline we've been talking about a lot over the last maybe three or four episodes, which is the idea of unregulated apps or or gray market apps or apps which sort of exist outside the very specific regimented set of rules that each country's licensing sort of requires. Um, How big a threat are these apps for the mainstream sites or the established sites in terms of actually... Um, pulling market share across and also how um, problematic are they because, uh, in a sense, they are flouting some regulations if indeed people are using them in, in the way that I described. If indeed.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've had a long day at work, Lappin. I don't want to sit here and, and talk bollocks. I mean, we all know. <laughs> we, 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 just say it yeah. flat. I mean, we, we all know it's being done. I mean, I've had three or four messages in the last month. <clears throat> Excuse me, the, the rage is rising. Yeah, asking me <laughs> to deposit money, you know, yeah, you can whack on two, whack, whack me two and a half grand, you know, no ID checks, no nothing. So, I mean, let's just drop the pretense. And I I understand the head of marketing's position. And and from what I've seen in presentation, she's an expert at treading lightly, you know, that saying we we do not hold real money balances. But I've yet to see her say this is not a real money app because that's not a very good marketing strategy when we know. I mean, let's not be mental. I'd love to see the audit reports, really? They're paying all the staff to develop the software, grow it on fucking diamonds. Give me a break. I mean, I know Candy Crush is like a billion dollar industry, but come on, let's not skirt around it. It's, it is being used for that purpose. So that's done. We know that. Players who do not have access to regulated, licensed gaming, I can understand why they feel forced onto these apps and i am i just genuinely and this is not a, a bluff i genuinely do not understand enough about usa regulations at a state or federal level to to know enough about what the hell is going on there i mean i know some states are bringing it back in we've got real poker as i call it not candy crush poker in in some states already so there are options. If a player has no options, I see how they can get sucked in. I mean, don't get me wrong, that Poker Bros app, it looks good. It's a nice looking piece of software. Um, they can probably move at a much faster rate than than even Unibet can. And and the Unibet poker team is quite small and agile. I mean, they receive customer feedback. If they like it, we can maybe see that implemented within a, as little as, as a quarter, you know, 12 weeks. Poker Bros doesn't have those restrictions. Because every time a site like Unibet or any of the other um, major and regulated operators that operate with a license in a regulated market, um, they have to run these by numerous licensing bodies. These games have to be licensed. Um, The veracity of of the RNG has to be proven and repeatedly. So we can't have an idea and implement it tomorrow, even if we had the development resources because we have to jump through a load of regulatory hoops. So from a pure software, um, perspective I could understand why players look at that and go well that's attractive we, you know we want to play there um, but it, it is damaging to the industry and for me in the long term I don't think it's super damaging in terms of market share in terms of them players just moving to these type of apps the reason for that is I think they're getting busted and I think they'll go down I mean shifting money around in that format let's not sugarcoat it it falls under certainly in Europe the definition of money laundering you know so we're not only talking about the obvious risk of an agent being shady i mean that's a separate issue to me because if you get a good agent in theory you should be safe right but if in the usa the department of justice kicks off and and starts seizing funds not only could it obviously be poker bros operational funds that are in trouble from their reportedly on paper from their diamonds fine it could clearly be the agents if they're traceable which they must be because there must be a revenue stream back to poker Bros somewhere. Come on, it's gotta be somewhere. And on top of that, if there's a big winner, like I saw a guy on Twitter who believed he was defending poker bros in a, in a discussion, he's saying, nah, it's legit, man. I cashed out a five figure sum. Realistically, if you're a winning player on the application and you have that money sat in your bank account, saving for a house, and it can be found by the authorities looking for it, it can be seized so it's not it's not just the site a case of oh the site goes down never mind i'll take my winnings from that site and move on to the next app that pops up so i don't think these apps will survive i think it's a typical case of regulators taking a little bit too long to sort things out properly maybe wanting to get an overall picture get a um a clear idea of how how um widespread the situation is where the money is how they get it so i don't think it's a threat in that sense What bothers me more than anything is the um, image to the industry. So even if you just say there's 10,000 players who lose a few quid, and it could be for some players, it could be as little as two or 300 pounds or euros or dollars or whatever. If that's their poker money and it goes up in, in a puff of smoke, they are going to blame the poker industry. And that's why I get so tilted about it, because you know, people who work in the regulated industry, which the head of marketing from Poker Bros comes from, so she knows how it works. Um, You have to work your butt off to meet these regulations. You have to. It's a grind. And it's a, sometimes it's a bloody miserable grind. I mean, we have ideas for campaigns, for promotions here every single day. And the majority of them, we go, can't do that. Can't do that here. Can't do that there. Can't give that player this. Can't do that. Can't make that software. You know, it's just a list of no, no, no's. And we have to be clever and work around that, which these apps aren't doing. So they are taking money from the industry without contributing their fair share back, which is making it safe and secure for players in the long run to play real poker.
0: Well, to bring you in on this, um, we've spoken a little bit about sites which are uh, probably a little different from Poker Bros and these apps and, and, and more living in the, the grey territory area. Um, I, I speak, of course, of uh, GG in the way that they've sort of uh, acquired players recently. ACR would fall into this. And you made it very clear that your solid piece of advice, this was on our episode with Joey, is... Okay, maybe play on them, but be aware of the risk yourself. So you're taking some personal responsibility, and don't leave much of a balance on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And before I um, answer that point, let me just say this is this is why I absolutely love cat. Like you can also rely on cat to call a fa- a spade a fucking piece of shit spade if it if it is. <laughs> um, the rest of us are, tend to be a bit more diplomatic in this case, but uh, basically cut straight to the point in that answer. As far as the poker in, in general goes, I mean, the, unfortunately, the way online has gone in, in the face of regulation is that you have, let's say, the top tier of sites who play everything by the book. Uh, well, they obey all the regulations in every market that they operate in. They don't operate in other markets, et cetera. Those are the only sites that I'm confident leaving any amount of money on um you move down to the next tier and it's the um it's the less uh the the less compliant let's say sites who are flouting regulations in some way in terms of getting people to pretend uh they're in a different place or um yeah, using sort of un- informal agents, and on those sites, I mean, again, like I'm a professional poker player, so I have to play where where recreations are playing. That's that I, I I can't get all on my high horse and on this and, and um, refuse to play on a site just because they're doing something which um, might be a bit shady. You do have to follow the recreational players. In term and and you stated what my advice there is like yeah play on them the games are soft but uh, but don't leave too money too much money on them. <clears throat> Every time I'm asked about apps, my my advice always is don't put a single cent of your own money on that site. If somebody offers to stake you, and that happens quite a lot. I mean, I do get people saying, "Oh, you can play on the app," and. Uh, we'll put the money up um, uh, and then we'll give you the profit. Now I've never actually gone down that road because I'm finding enough games um, in, in, in the completely legal sites. But, but yeah, that would be my advice. Don't, don't put money down your own money down. And I'm actually in the middle of writing a blog at the moment where I talked about the three S's, which historically are the three things I get the most unsolicited approaches on uh, staking, um, free strategy advice and sponsorship as in how do you get me a sponsorship deal more recently like it's actually can, do you want to join my club uh, on whichever app that it might be i literally five six of these every single day from people i've mostly never heard at the start it was people i knew now it's people literally you get a facebook ad request and the first question the first thing is a clearly cut and pasted uh, come and play on my app um, so it's, 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 it's definitely a growing thing. Um, I do have a bad feeling in, my pit, in, <clears throat> in the pit of my stomach that this is something which can't end well.
0: Yeah, I've got to agree with you 100% there, Dara. Uh, well, speaking of great territory apps, we can segue quite nicely to our next story. Uh, Jonathan Little has been banned from ACR. Uh, Jonathan, of course, um, <laughs> uh, so careful God the amount of uh, this interview which I'm going to have to sort of tread carefully through is fantastic and it's not helping <laughs> this that is, this is I'm the landmines right episode they're often laughing at me knowing that I'm in this spot <laughs> <laughs> her face if only you could see it right now is cracking up Look, I, I just want to say very clearly obviously I'm, I, I don't want to end up embroiled in a tedious exchange of emails or actually I think the emails were just coming one way uh, so I, I definitely don't want to open that kind of worms and actually to be honest Uh, on this particular subject. Uh, It's kind of a weird story. So Phil Nagy, the CEO of ACR, uh, posted yesterday, uh, or yesterday as far as we're concerned, it might be a couple of days before the show comes out. It's one thing if you're going to treat WPN like some side chick, but I'll be damned if I'm going to give you the privilege of getting to fuck me on a daily basis. (laughs) If you're going to punch me in the head while doing it.
2: I love it. I love it.
0: So Maybe, yeah, maybe taking a, a leaf out of the granu um, uh, poetic, violent language there, but uh, it is an extraordinary tweet to see come from the head of a poker site towards a player, a, a high-profile player, uh, who not only plays on the site, but uh, streams while playing on the site, usually admittedly while giving out about the site, but, you know... Players are allowed to give out about whatever site they're playing on, and still continue to play on it. They, you know, we we certainly gave out for many years about stars while sticking in there, hoping that they'd make some of the the positive changes we thought they would. Dara and uh, and and maybe eventually sort of pulled our our uh, the bulk of our volume, or maybe even all my volume anyway, away from the site eventually. But you know, for a long time, you you don't do that. And also in America, you don't have many choices of playing on even the great the grey market apps, or the grey market sites, I should say. So, um, But but I think it's fair to say, and hopefully that's why we'll be all right with this piece there and we won't end up in uh, some litigation, is because I think we probably, well, I, while seeing both sides somewhat, would fall down on Jonathan's side on this one. I actually think Jonathan's in the right, I think Nagy's in the wrong. What, what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, we obviously have our own history with Jonathan, which makes me, let's say, less sympathetic to him than I would be uh, to other people. But nevertheless, it's a very bad precedent for sites to start banning people just because they're saying bad things about your site. Uh, I will give credit to Nagy for the wonderful, wonderfully colourful way he expressed, uh, <laughs> he expressed his displeasure. And I completely understand that it's extremely annoying to see somebody playing in your site, telling people that your site isn't safe. I mean, there's a clip going around at the moment where... Jonathan suggests, uh, rather fancifully, as I must say, that if, that, 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 that if he if he did uh, steep to the level of being sponsored, he'd, he'd get a hundred grand a month, which um, I think anybody who knows the way the poker industry works knows that that's a rather ridiculous figure, and that he's, o- he's only turning that down to, to protect his, um, what he calls his fans, um, from torturing their bankrolls by playing on a site. Now, he says all this while actually playing on that site, which slightly undermines his point but um <laughs> no, i mean that that is what classic jonathan
0: naggy every time he gets a bad piece <laughs>
1: yeah he actually that uses the word I naggy he refers it, it to, he refers to it as getting nagged which is uh <laughs> is personalizing and again this is something which jonathan does he's he's basically i mean obviously you can criticize the site but he's personalizing it against the owner of the site and also the the pros, He's he's. Uh, had pops at the pros he's referred to them all as um as lightweights and suggested that uh, they're not really worthy of being sponsored when somebody as great as Jonathan little isn't sponsored himself um Can I, jump
0: in here? I just want to point out, i was kind of jokingly saying he was saying fuck you naggy i definitely am not saying that you said that Jonathan. i know you don't like your bad language so you didn't say that so i take it no no he down. didn't say fuck you so do me it's not another show saying swear words about you <laughs>
1: No, no, um, but he certainly does refer to Nagy all the time, and and, and, and therefore he's personalizing it. Um, I mean, it makes for good popcorn, and I think it's kind of similar to uh, you know the other big popcorn that's going on at the moment, Pog versus Dean eggs, where you have a lot of people who don't know uh, whose side they're on, not because they like both sides, but because they actually dislike both sides. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah. To, to return to your original point, I do think uh, banning Jonathan from the site is um, a very dangerous precedent. And while I understand the reasons for it, and I understand that if somebody is constantly criticizing your site while playing on it, that might have a demoralizing effect on your own staff as well. Um, so maybe Nagy has done it with an eye on his own staff saying, well, we can't have this guy constantly uh, saying that what we're doing is, 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 is suspect. Um, it's unfortunate that Americans have so few choices. Uh, and obviously, Jonathan felt that ACR was the best of the ones that, that, that was available to him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the broader point is, I certainly don't think we should be banning people just because they're criticizing a site.
0: So, Kat, I know it wouldn't be your final decision, but if it was, say, what would you do in this spot? Like, you're the boss of Unibet, someone's shouting and roaring, oh, Unibet's random number generators screwed me over, screwed up with that lapland O'Carney guy. Actually, hang on, there are probably people who do this all the time. <laughs> this isn't even a hypothetical, is it? Uh, no, not at
2: all. I mean, um, I, I think the thing is, if you logically, if you, th- if you banned every pro who moaned about your site, that's how you get a purely recreational site. Because 95% of pros would be gone. Because you are all quite moaning. let's be honest. Um,
0: How dare you?
2: How very dare you? I shall complain to your manager immediately. All right, (laughs) Karen Lampin. So, I mean... I, I, I love it. I love to see and I feel the same about Rob Young as, as a as a recreational player when they go on on Twitter, lose their shit and make emotion based decisions and throw their toys out of the pram. I love it. I absolutely love it as a rec, and probably as a as a team member, a junior team member. If I was working quite closely under them in a management role, trying to manage this business, I would be banging my head off the wall. Um, So while I love the way he behaves, the actual um, decision I think is a very poor business decision. I mean, you've taken a guy with a huge following and for whatever reason, you know, he's not our cup of tea, we've admitted it, but he has a huge following. He's constantly acquiring players for your site at no apparent cost. I mean, he doesn't even seem to have an affiliation deal with the site. So I don't understand why you would, would do that to that sort of player. I mean, as a a junior dealer, I had ashtrays thrown at my head and was then dealing to the same guy the next night. So the idea that a kind of a little bit of bad behavior automatically warrants getting barred, I think is, is a bit, ridiculous i mean i've seen some players go well you'd get barred for slagging off the house in a live casino what casinos are these people going into i mean i don't think it reflects real life i don't think people should be barred for slagging off the site for saying anything about the software the tournament structures the cash games, set anything um no they shouldn't be barred that said why are you playing there would be my question um, because it works the other way. Jonathan Little has a huge following. So if that site, for whatever reason, is not up to scratch, he shouldn't be driving his fans there at all. Um, and I think it's quite a big ask to say to them, don't keep money there, when he knows they're recreational players. I mean, if, if you join a site, you deposit whatever you can afford to deposit, you run that up to 100 a, a times what you've deposited, it's very unlikely that recreational players will cash out Verify on on a regulated site and and carry on because it's not how we behave. Equally, um, it's not what you have demonstrated. If you're the pro who's playing there, sixty thousand followers are following you wherever you go. Your advert your advert has been made. So even if you sit there going, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't keep my million dollars on there. A lot of money to some people is 500, 1,000, 5,000, you know, whatever it is that's significantly lower than perhaps what Jonathan Little thinks is a significant amount of money. So... For me, if you have a big following, you have a responsibility to lead those players in the right direction. At least, Jonathan, I think he is resident in the US, right? So he's trapped the same as a lot of his followers. So I respect him him saying it. I wish he would just not play there. You know, move then. If you want to be a pro player, the US is a really bad place to live. You know, you have to do what a lot of pros do and up sticks and, and move to Europe or somewhere else. Um, but no, of the two in this case, I think it has to be seen that that Phil, is it Nagy or Nagy? Phil Nagy. I, I think he's just, he, he's had a little bit of a baby meltdown and, and it's really hard for him to back out of it now. So he may as well just stick to it and, and commit to the idea that, that Little has done something horrendous when actually he's just done what every single one of you pros do, which is moan while you're playing, you know? <laughs> Is there You're a school for it? Is, is there a solver three, for that? All
0: three of us, we, we're all on your side on this one, so you know, don't be getting out the lawyer's letters. Um, I'm <laughs> gonna move across again. <laughs> uh, Unibet Online series number nine, we're just coming up to it now. Very excitingly, though, first, Dara, this is where I'm gonna actually do your work. I'm gonna shill for you, okay? You know, like, you know, like shills. About time. I'm just gonna just so. Uh, on Sunday, we have a competition. A sort of a giveaway where um, we have a supernova. There's our normal 100 quid tournament on Unibet. And it's going to be a PKO format, it's a PKO format. So if you want to learn how to get good at them ahead of time, buy it today or get lucky in the match itself, in the tournament itself. And if you cash the tournament, you'll win one of these. Pretty sexy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, no, it's
1: a wonderful idea. Uh, I saw Ian Simpson referring to this on Twitter as my tournament. Um, it's about time Unibet gave me my own tournament and that it'd be the biggest uh, tournament on the Sunday. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, thank
1: you for that excellent shilling as well. Yeah, it's the P K O format is a format which has obviously been taken on the internet uh, over the last few years. Um, it's fair to say that Unibet are fairly late to the party on that stuff. We still have a lot more of the other. Um, formats, but I think it's the kind of thing once, that once players get start playing them, they'll realise how much fun they are, and I think making the Supernova PKO is a great, is a great way to sort of showcase that um, uh, and I hope it's, it, it, it's not just a one-off. Uh, I mean, we don't necessarily have to make the Supernova uh, PKO every week, but it would be nice to see a big PKO on a Sunday as well and uh, people can buy an excellent book which uh, two of the three people on this episode have contributed to <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a bit mad. actually. And actually, if I was just to go outside my door, it would be three out of four because my missus did the cover for
1: it. It's true. It's true. Actually, yeah.
2: <laughs> keeping it in the family, eh? Brilliant. That's it's true. a great book, by the way, Dara. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a recreational player, and I found it really easy to digest. Loved it. I was actually really pleased to see how much of it I'm doing already. But awesome. but what there was so much tightening up that I could do, and it yeah really helped me. I think um after sort of finishing my first read through, I then dropped. <laughs> the 750 pko on stars about three days after so obviously the, the association in my brain is like read book win tournament
0: yeah. you let the dogs out yeah yeah such actually a just losing dog. her
1: mind here uh we clearly there's somebody at the door which show isn't this, about which this, is, show
0: that this is real this would never happen in the tip race this would be, would be removed we'd redo the.
1: yeah the, although on, a, on, on literally, our, literally our last episode we do have shane schlager's dog also uh
0: <laughs> i left that in i thought that was kind of cute
1: yeah she'll be yeah. she'll be fine as soon as somebody answers the door but uh, <laughs> well we'll wait until that moment happens it's, it's, it's not it. going to be let's me let's do it
0: let's do one of those awkward pauses where the camera and video doesn't know where to go because none of us are speaking
1: yeah the door has been open now she'll take about 10 or 15 seconds to realize that she doesn't want to kill the person and then she'll be she'll get very friendly towards them
2: is that the dog or marae
1: the dog maria will okay. take a lot longer than that. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> well,
1: the, anyway. dog, the 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 dog, the dog for the record is probably about 75% labrador but 25% something way more aggressive. So the the 25% guard dog kicks in right at the start and then she remembers that she's basically a labrador so
0: she becomes friendly. Yeah,
2: oh, she
0: sounds amazing. She's a lovely dog. So getting on to this. So, so we've got this on Sunday. I hope that's in the future when we drop this show, probably Saturday. So play that if you can. If you cash the event, you win a digital copy of that fantastic book. Um, and we're also going to do a miniature version, a, a mini uh, for a tenor, where if you make the final table, you get the book and a nano for just a euro. Um, where you have to win it to get the book. We're, we're stingy there. We're going we're to force them to do something uh, brilliant there. But it should be a great promotion, and, and hopefully, uh, as you say, Dara, it will mean a resurgence or a resurgence or of um, PKOs on UniBet because it is a fantastic format and lots of fun. It whets the whistle for the US 9. The UniBet online series is about to hit its ninth edition. I remember its very first one because I won it. And uh, You won the leaderboard. You mean? I won the leader. Yeah, I won the whole thing. The- Any which was be- <laughs> a brag? Just, well, the only Yeah, well, had you had.
1: you you got a rather brilliant exploit which allowed you to win the leaderboard without actually.
0: Dara's going to suggest now that things. I time banked my way to the leaderboard, which is only about eighty-eight percent true. I also did win some. Max <laughs>
1: late registered being the other twelve <laughs> percent.
0: Wow, you two are so exciting at the poker
2: table. My goodness. <laughs> Knit-folding, Max Laird.
0: That's what the real ambassadors do. But no, I want you to pitch me the U.S. We obviously put the million quid guarantee on it for U.S. Eight. I think everyone was shitting themselves. And then, obviously, it was sort of the peak of COVID times and lockdown. And we ended up smashing it. I think we did 1.42 million. Uh, over the whole series, which would be on our wildest streams, when you consider that series used to be like a 350k uh, for the whole thing. So amazing growth on that, which is showing how the, the site is doing so well this year, which is great. But we're doing the million again, but obviously it's not quite the same times.
2: No. And I mean, to be honest, the summer was a little bit sweaty, but we, we actually responded to the market there. Um, so it, I would definitely say this version is a little bit more sweaty. I mean, I think the, the final reason is probably ego. You know, I don't think any of us wanted to back down and, and say, okay, we're going from a million guaranteed back down to half a million. Um, 750 seems like a weird amount. So, it, you know, it seemed like a good idea to keep at the million. Um, obviously, we're still um, dealing with the situation at least till the end of this year, and, and we're not quite sure what's happening in 2021 yet. But with the Unibet Open uh, not being at live venues, that gives us the exciting facility to have that event Transposed into an online event, and and that guarantee. Oh, I should know the schedule off the top of my head, but I believe it's quarter of a million guaranteed on that tournament. So, you know, a million is a big figure, but it, again, it's not really UniBet style to just be all about the money, the money, the money. You know, I mean, we're more about the experience,
0: well, and it, it's
2: going to be a more America. fun series. Hmm?
0: I'm going to throw a rock at you internally here. Like I agree with you. The million guarantee on the series is brave, but the 250K on the main is really wussy. We'll we're going to hit like 350 at least on that one, I'm pretty sure.
2: Well, I mean, what's the alternatives? Again, we, we don't want to sell tournaments on potential overlays. We don't want to lie to people. We don't want them like panicking, you know, go oh, quick, I better verify on this site because there's a 3 million overlay. It doesn't seem like a good future of poker. What we're hoping to create is a sustainable series that will maybe plateau now for, for a couple of seasons because we, we're pushing it quite hard and we build the players. They have a good experience. They in, enjoy playing the tournament's And because the prize pools overall are a little bit lower than some of the larger competitors, that actually recreational players like me don't need to be scared of satelliting into a 1K event. You know, I would play a 1K event on Unibet because, OK, I'm going to face quite a few good players. But overall, uh, it'll be a lower percentage of of absolute beasts. If I try, I don't even try and satellite into a 1K on stars because I know I'm just crushed from the first hand. You know, percentage-wise, I'm in the absolute bottom 5% of the field, if that, probably. So I think that's the strategy. It's not just about screaming, oh, we might have millions of of euros overlay and using it as kind of a some sort of acquisition campaign to say a guy's come and join us today because there might be a massive overlay we're hoping there's no overlay i'm not going to lie you know we're not trying to sell this on every tournament's got free money in it that's not the point
0: fair play Dara. are you going to do all the events and 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 take a run at the leaderboard i'm going to admit i'm not going to do the the big one this year i'm going to go for the high leaderboard and take the days off in between
1: yeah i mean we've Pretty much knew you were the lazier of the two of us. Uh, I'd be going for the full thing. I actually think the leaderboard is one of the great things about the series. It makes it a real series, uh, and I know from speaking to guys that I coach, they also love the fact that they that basically commits them to playing every night, and it's and it's like a, it's 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 like a, a a different race. They talk about where they are on the leaderboard, if they finish ahead of me. They're obviously uh, very happy if they're ahead of finish ahead of E, and you know, not such a big achievement. But he is still an ambassador, so um, uh, yeah, I think, and also have the different levels of buying is great as well, and the fact that for the bigger buying stuff, uh, there are there are satellites. They run lots and lots of satellites, and and actually the satellites are the one area which sometimes overlay, and that's really good because the people who benefit from that the most are the recreationals who play regularly on the site. Did
0: yeah, you mention the, satellites uh, there, Dara? Is it
1: satellites? Yeah, we'll do the book thing there. Oh wow, I've actually
0: signed up with the shop. But I had there because I actually couldn't tell which was which when I was picking them up because I'm picking them up.
1: Yeah, they're very similar. Uh, similar I, I really wonder when we get onto the third book, are we going to have to try and come up with a new theme, or are we just going to make them all look the same? Uh, two absolutely wonderful covers, I have to say, um, courtesy of your uh, your better half, Sharon.
0: She's very, um, very talented. They're,
1: they're, they're really striking. And they should always probably, the probably, probably the most good comments we got about the book actually have been about how good the cover is.
0: Well, judge your book by its cover, I guess. We're going to end with um, the sad news. Obviously, uh, just a few days ago, Mike Sexton passed away. I had the opportunity to go on the Rake podcast, which I think came out a few days ago. And when we did the news report on the last chip race, mike was sort of not long for this world but was still with us and 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 obviously people were were holding out for a recovery or a, a sort of a miraculous recovery but sadly not to be he passed away a couple of days ago and Dara, he was a guest on our show about i want to say like a year and a half ago he came on the 51st episode i remember and we we've met him a few times over the years irish opens and whatnot too and uh, i just thought maybe you uh, would you have anything you'd like to say about about him
1: yeah, I remember when he was on, it was actually Porik Parkinson who set it up for us. Um, and it was clearly something like December because I remember running into Porik uh, meeting in early uh, at a tournament in early January and thanking him for ha- having set it up. I'd met Mike a few times previously uh, at uh, at party events um, in, in the Bahamas. I was, I was actually speaking to him for a while. And it was one of those things where you're not sure if the person who knows who you are or not. But he was immediately uh, straight in to make it clear that he, he he knew me by name, and he said some incredibly complimentary stuff about the chip race, um, which is obviously a great way to, uh, to, to get on my good side. But Mike was one of those men who was genuinely beloved by everybody. Um, you literally could not find anybody in the poker industry with a bad word to say for him. Um, uh, he was an incredible ambassador for the game in terms of the way he interacted with recreational players. Um, he basically made a, a, a sort of experience for them to be at the at the same table as Mike Sexton, and uh, at, at a time when you know poker ambassadors and the role is sort of under the um, under the microscope, it's very sad that one of the great ambassadors has now been been lost to the game.
0: Well said Daria. I, I last time I saw him was actually with you on the rail of the World Series. It was just coming up to the final table. They were on the last two tables. There was that big scandal where um the the poor old mm. dealer made the, the sort of did the bum deal which ended or ended up in um her i think she announced the wrong chip amount to yeah. uh, San Martino. It was all that hullabaloo and Mike was with us on the rail. We were all sort of trying to pick up the, well, what exactly had happened and, and all the info. And uh, yeah, that was the last time I saw him. I, the first time I ever met him was such a, a weird one. And I apologize if anyone has watched uh, my episode of the rape, I'm going to repeat a story because I'm, I'm guessing there won't be a total overlap there. Um, the very first time I met him was at the Irish Open in 2015, the year I commentated it, the year before you commentated it, Dara. And um, Mike... Uh, I was told by the producer, uh, oh, Mike Sexton's going to come in and join you for commentary for the next bit. And I was like, oh, wow, like, fuck, wow, that's like a big deal. That's going to be, I was getting all sweaty palms and okay, Mike Sexton, okay, I got to bring my A game now. And then the guy says, uh, he says, oh yeah, but just so you know, uh, if it comes to poker hands, he's not allowed to talk about the poker hands because he has a contract with WPT where he only offers strategy advice on their shows. I was like hang on So If there's an interesting hand I talk about it And even though Mike Sexton's in the box And everyone listening Knows Mike Sexton's in the box I can't ask him about it Everyone's going to think I'm a total <laughs> asshole More than they already do They're mm, going to be like well, "That what we in the there And he's just talking about How your man played Ace King in his own What's going on um, well, That's
1: kind of what you do anyway Dave I mean I don't think There's any real difference You beat you'd, you'd, you'd be, you'd be <laughs> him anyway. With some of the greats And you just always like Talk <laughs> over them
0: yeah, sorry, Dan Harrington, but I got this, hand. I got this, I got this Yeah, book. you told
1: me a little story actually after that one too, which that, that he gave you a tip on how to um, how to appear jovial in photographs. That's right. And what what is that then. tip?
0: Well, so 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 his tip was I, I want to finish that story, but I'll oh, get so yeah, to on. this one quickly. No, that's cool. So uh, he he put his arm around for a, a, a photograph of myself and Emmet, and he was just sort of like jiggling, and I was like, it's kind of a bit weird. I, I didn't realise he maybe does he have a kind of a shaky thing or something but he he looked at me and goes you saw I was uh I was like chortling there and I was like yeah and he was like yeah I do that for photographs because if you if you giggle and chortle no matter what moment the camera gets you it looks like a really genuine smile which if you think about it, is actually a really good tip but but, but you would but have, you haven't used
1: it at all because you never, still look like a grumpy fucker right
0: <laughs> I never smile anyway and I don't Stop for photos. One, because I wouldn't want and Two, no one would ask me. But uh, <laughs> the but 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 to finish that story. So I'm in the box. I'm dreading. I'm like, oh, please let there be no three betting or four betting, because I don't. I, I'd rather talk to Mike about Stu Unger and all the interesting stuff from his life than have to. Sort of insult him By going into the the, the, the hand And not asking his opinion But sure enough Kevin Colleen Three bet somebody And I was like Okay here we've got An interesting hand And I think he gets to the turn And Kev checks back And I was like Oh it's an interesting Check back from Kev And Sexton immediately Jumps in and goes No what he's doing there Is he's setting himself up Because now he can Bluff the river In such and such a way He's got a nice Big size pop bet That if he, if he can either Win a showdown Or he can go And I was like Oh, he just couldn't resist. He's just a fucking lunatic for poker. He loves the game so much. His contract says you can't do this, and he just opted anyway. Either that or I was doing such a shit job. <laughs> On the hand <laughs> I analysis, it's thought, the I one, yeah. it, lad. I'm not sure which it was. But uh, no, great man. And, and, and you're right, Darren. Like, it, it's hard to imagine anybody. It, it was interesting seeing uh, Doyle Brunson sort of uh, go on Mike Mattisow's show and talk about him. Uh, He's probably the one other person of that stature. But then at the same time, Doyle, for all his amazing history and, and role in the game, never took on the ambassadorial role at all the same way. And I think Mike is absolutely the nuts person for that, um, and, and and very much so a visionary w- with what he did with WPT.
1: Yeah, wonderful commentator as well. Like he, yeah. he basically combined the two sort of things of of, of making it exciting while, while while giving out strategy advice, which is really really difficult to do. Most people fall into one camp or the other, um, but he could be both the hype man and the um, and the expert.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I suppose I just—it's it, so nice actually to say. And I suppose that's what you kind of—that's what you'd want yourself—is that at the end of your life, everybody is sort of queuing up to say how great he is, or even if they only shared a little moment with them, how he was just always somehow on best behavior. He was always the gentleman. He didn't have another gear where he was in a bad mood and didn't give you the time of day. He was just only a, a good dude. And and yeah, yeah. Those
1: dirty. are clearly the words you live your life by.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes, well, you know, role model But also, you know uh, One has to uh, cut their own path but, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, The game will miss him And we will all miss him very dearly And, sure. um, and, and, and that is it But Kath Arnsby, I'm sorry I didn't bring you in there But
2: uh, No, I mean, I, I didn't, didn't know Mike very well I mean, yeah, o- obviously An important man to a lot of people um, So Big loss, yeah. I think, to the industry And, yeah. and not enough made in his mould
0: yeah, not enough, unfortunately. Darrow Carney, that's probably it. That's, that's all of them. <laughs> um, Kat, it has been lovely to have you on the show. Phenomenal opinions, as usual. It, this was like a bumper, cat only spot uh, on the chip race. Your, your segments normally shine and everyone talks about how they're the person's favourite that week. Well, they've got a whole hour of you this time.
2: Mm, yeah, I mean, if I suddenly disappear, we we know there was... Uh, I said too much, so... It
0: was, <laughs> was it was <laughs> it?
2: I'm not saying names.
0: <laughs> okay, guys, look, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you, as usual, Dara, as well. Great fun.
1: Thank you, yeah. Just before we go, um, you 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 plugged your episode of The Rake, which um, I don't think it's out yet, but um, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely wonderful when it is. I would like to plug my appearance on Chasing Poker Greatness with Barry this week. Uh, mostly because it was a lot of fun just to take the piss out of Barry for an hour and a half.
0: But, I um, listened. That is pretty much all you did. It was yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> Well keeping it light here for another edition of The Lock-In. Take care, everyone. See you later, dudes. Bye.
1: Adios.